Welcome back to the Always Aggressive Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Palm, along with uh, Tanner Lipset, Coach Tony Ursland, and special guest this week, Assistant Director of Compliance, Jacqueline McGill, joins us. Jacqueline, great to have uh, great to have you here, and, and hopefully you can yeah, definitely bring a lot more intelligence to the show this week than we normally <laughs> have. Uh, good, good to see you. You're not Thank you. Come it's good to be here. That's true. That's true. Jacqueline, I, I love having you on uh, as a guest this like I said, very enlightening and and sort of the the we won't avoid the elephant in the room. The big news in in college sports this week has been the, the ruling that came out of Indianapolis, um, giving the opportunity officially for uh, uh, spring student athletes to get a clock extension and winter student winter sports student athletes to not get the clock extension. So. Uh, like I said, I, I, I'm probably the dumbest person on this panel right now when it comes to this issue. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shut my mouth and let the smarter people talk. What what can you tell us about that ruling and, and sort of sort of just the uh, the thirty thousand foot view as they say? Yeah. So for spring sports only um, for the student athletes who competed during 1920 and who were eligible, um, so who were academically eligible, um, good to uh, compete during this season. Um, are able to come back next year and then be eligible for competition. Um, the NCAA approved or the council approved an extension of eligibility for a one-time um, extension and then said that the financial aid could be exempt for your 2021 season for those seniors. Um, I think probably the biggest thing and maybe why one of the biggest reasons why winter sports weren't approved here is because of the financial aspect that kind of goes along into this. Um, you obviously have your scholarship limits um, for all your seniors, which can be probably anywhere from $250,000 to $500,000. Um, and that's spring sports only. So on top of that, you have your meals, you have your nutrition station, your supplements, um, your clothes, all kinds of other things that student athletes get just as being a student athlete um, that also go into that. So that can be, that can put your dollar amount for spring sports from 500,000, probably up to 750. Um, so there is a big um, financial aspect to it for spring sports. And then if winter sports were to be approved, which it stinks that uh, for our seniors that they weren't, um, but you kind of double those numbers, what that looks like for men's women's basketball diving swimming and diving um indoor track a lot that goes into that yeah it's definitely one of those things where it, it's you know obviously we it's it's natural for us to think about ourselves and to think about dylan lighty and christian brewer <laughs> and the Olympics and the uh the effect that it has on those guys um but it's it's bigger you know there's there's some of those other sports you know tony's remarked in the past about how you know our indoor track team was in Albuquerque. They were ready to yeah. compete. They were there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, men's basketball was at the Big Ten <laughs> tournament. You know, some teams got pulled off the floor. And yeah. so, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, it would be it would be great if we could go to the NCAA and say, hey, we can figure wrestling out. Let's let's just separate wrestling. <laughs> let's just take care of us. We're mm -hmm. not gonna worry about everybody else. Um, I just don't know how realistic that is, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. Um, our track team was in Albuquerque and I think they competed that next day. And so they were there ready to compete, ready to go. And it was like, Oh, you got to come home now. Um, so there was a lot of, 
heartbreak, I think, on that day for a lot of our teams. Um, a lot of the teams that were on the road had to kind of turn around and come back immediately. Um, it, it wasn't a, a good day for athletics. I know our, our diving teams were, were in uh, regional zones, had to get pulled yeah. out of the diving well, like in yep. mid-round. It was, it was yep. phenomenal. Sorry, Tony, mm-hmm. I cut you off there. No, no, that's all, that's all right. Um, a quick question. Was there ever any thought to taking it sport by sport, or did they just decide very early on that they're going to judge uh, all sports, winter and spring as a group? You know, did the NCAA ever consider going sport by sport and evaluating that, or was it always just uh, we, we were going to – deliver them as just two separate groups yeah honestly I'm not really for sure on that um, because I wasn't necessarily in the weeds that much but to my knowledge it was always winter sports and spring sports and not necessarily we'll evaluate wrestling we'll evaluate basketball just probably just fair for all your winter sports and fair for all your spring sports to kind of combine them and not do one-offs here and there yep Um, another question (laughs) Have, and this goes back to spring sports because I think a lot of people may ask this question. Can you um, describe now what this ruling really means, though? Because they did, while they did give them clock extension, they kicked a lot of um, authority back to the individual schools themselves. Yeah. So, can you kind of talk a, a little bit about how different schools may be handling things differently so that it's not necessarily just a, a one size fits all here now either? You know, it, everybody's yeah. going to handle this differently, and I don't want people to think, well, this school did this, and then it's the same for everyone. Yep. So the council gave us some pretty wide parameters to work in. Um, They gave it up back to the conferences and back to the institution to kind of figure out what that looks like for each institution. Um, So they, the council said that that money doesn't have to count toward your scholarship limit for 2021. Um, However, some schools don't necessarily have that money just kind of laying around. Um, So that's where the institutions and sport ADs um, kind of make the rules to see what works for their institution. So even within the Big Ten, we make something that Ohio State does completely different or Michigan State or Illinois. Um, there could be a year where potentially a school has a competitive advantage because they have that money um, that they can give over their scholarship limits where maybe another school does not. Um, so that's kind of where the council left it up to the institution to decide where what the institution wants to do in those scenarios. So to be clear here, you're saying that that one school could give out 20 scholarships for baseball next year, where another one can give out 13? Um, I guess they could give them to the seniors. Yes. Not, yes. So they probably don't have 20 and 13 seniors. But if they hypothetically had four seniors um, that get, now get a clock extension, um, they could uh, renew that scholarship for those athletes. And they could go above baseballs. I believe it's 11.7 for those, and they could exempt that money for them if, if that institution had that money. That's what I was alluding to. So a team yep. that had a huge senior class that happened to be on a lot of money, mm-hmm. they, could, they could wind up in a situation where their scholarship limit is, is much higher than, yep. than school B, who was all underclassmen. They didn't have any seniors. Yep or only have like one or two. Yep. Cor- correct me if I'm wrong here. They can't, they're not allowed to go above the, the current established level of that scholarship, right? If, if a student athlete's on a 40% or a 50%, they can't all of a sudden be on a full ride next year. It, they said that you can give them that amount or you can even give them less. Okay, but that or less. Kind of, 
typically you can't reduce a student athlete scholarship um, per financial aid rules. However, they said for next year, since the money is just, it's hard to understand what that looks like right now, mm -hmm. that give them less. Okay. Jack, or Jack, no money at all, is that correct? Uh, no, no as well? Sorry, can you repeat that? I think you and Tanner were both talking at this Yeah, point. sorry about that. Um, they could also be on no aid as well, correct? If you don't correct. technically yep. have to sign. Correct, yep. So you could say, hey, I would like for you to come back, but unfortunately I don't have the money for you. Um, you can be a walk-on and see kind of what, if that's something they want to do or not. Yeah, that, that's where I, I get <clears throat> Uh, clock extension for wrestling personally I, I and I full disclosure I completely understand the AD's complexity of issues here 100 percent uh understand that I'm not uh, pointing fingers at anybody but just knowing that if you're going to kick it back to the individual schools and allow for no aid at all that's where I, I was just wondering if that would have been discussed with all sports knowing it's not going to cost you per se anymore um you know as a school or as a sport, I guess. Yeah, that, that's right. I have some frustration acknowledging like full disclosure. I, there's a whole wide ranging of issues here and I that uh, that they have to think about that. I'm probably mm -hmm. not aware of. Yep. Yep. For sure. Jacqueline, do you see a situation <clears throat> where um, You know, the wrestling world is not going to go quietly. Let's put it that way. Um, there's a lot of people that are that are very upset and uh, and rightfully so, like, you know, they, they got something taken away and, 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 you know, not just wrestling, everybody. Yeah. Um, do you see a situation where perhaps the NCAA changes course and maybe reconsiders some things? I don't right now. Um, I think one of the biggest things, and which probably a lot of people aren't going to like this, but a lot of your winter sports um, were complete up to their conference championship or up to the NCAAs. So in a lot of people's minds, they think that, they competed basically that whole season where your spring sports were probably about a third of the way, maybe. Um, so I think that was the biggest difference between the two. Now, I know a lot of people aren't going to like that answer. Um, and I know Tony could probably talk about this a little bit more, but uh, wrestling, the um, coaches were putting in that the top 12 seeds get all American status. Um, I don't know if that's something Tony would want, wanted to talk about or not, but I think that's one thing that would be good for, our student athletes like Bruner and Lighty, um, and some of those others that weren't actually able to compete at the NCAA tournament, but they can still actually earn that status. Yeah, there is a proposal out there uh, at this time, just to elaborate a little bit, um, seeking closure, uh, knowing that now that we don't have a clock extension for these, these young men, obviously everybody would have preferred to have had a clock extension or at a later date. Uh, if they had just postponed the tournament, let's say, and had it this summer. But um, in absence of either of those two uh, seeking to award and, and, and put closure uh, for some of these guys is, is uh, what's going on now. I, I don't know where that's at. I think it was um, the, the, the proposal was submitted to the committee that met Monday. I don't know to what extent they looked at it or even talked about it. Uh, so I don't have anything beyond that. I do know, though, that um, – uh, just trying to seek closure and put a cap on the season. Uh, it would be a positive for the sport is how uh, many coaches feel. And you do see a lot of postseason awards being granted right now anyway. I mean, we just had the Hodge. Just won the Hodge Award based mm -hmm. on his body of work. You have a leader in pins and techs that they awarded. Typically, those awards are 
after the NCAA championship. So there is some precedent to giving awards now without uh, waiting for the national championship. And, uh, you know, I, from my standpoint, I don't know where that's at. We're just waiting to hear back if it was given consideration or how they may handle it. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot of different things that could happen. And so, you know, like, you know, Jacqueline said this already, not a lot of popular answers going on right now because, you know, as my three-year-old likes to say, waiting is boring. Um, <laughs> and so, like uh, you know, but unfortunately, that's where we're at. We just got to kind of wait and see. We got to we gotta <clears throat> see what the future holds because, you know, these are crazy times. Yeah, they, yeah. they are. And I think, you know, just to explain a little bit too, because, I, you know, so much of what we do, it's the end of the year, right? That's why it's so important for us to have gotten a, a year back for these kids because so much of our – um, how we judge ourselves is based on the end of the year, those three days in March, and, and we didn't have that um, this year. So I know there could be mixed feelings on, on awarding, but I think um, in absence of being able to do anything else, this might be the best thing to do under the circumstances, knowing it's an extraordinary time, and, and so yeah. we've got to do some things differently, maybe think outside the box as you know, than we have in the past, and, and then certainly go back to – um, you know, pursuing our national championships, you know, as soon as we are able to safely do it. Absolutely. Um, anything else on that topic that we're not bringing up? Corey, Jacqueline, anything else that you guys think is relevant that we should probably touch on before we move on? Not that I can think of. I mean, I think things are changing so quickly. Um, in the past two, three weeks, things are changing on the daily aspect. So um, I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. One, one thing that sort of came to me as we're discussing here is, is the fact that there are, you know, wrestling is one of the smaller sports in Division I athletics. There's, there's 70 varsity teams across the country as opposed to 300, and, you know, 300 or more in, in some other sports. So I think that kind of cuts both ways. It makes it uh, – it's a smaller group to have to – to have to fight for, but it's a, it's a much more passionate fan base. So I think a lot of the, mm -hmm. a lot of the, you know, rejection of this from the fan base comes from that passion, which isn't a, that's not a bad thing, but it's just, there's not going to be, there's no good answer in this situation. And, and, and uh, wrestling certainly not in it alone as, as we've all said here this morning. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, well, Jacqueline, you know, we appreciate you being here. Um, you are uh, an incredible asset to the program. Um, and so we're excited to, to pick your brain a little bit and hear a little bit more about you. Um, can you tell us kind of about your background and, and how you got into compliance and, and how you wound up at Purdue? Yeah. So I started off at Western Kentucky University where I was a softball student athlete, um, participated for all four years, and then really was interested in the compliance world. And so after I graduated undergraduate, uh, my bachelor's, um, I got a compliance graduate assistantship. Um, so I did that for two years. And honestly, I really enjoyed it. I loved what I was doing. Um, so from there, I got a job at the University of Northern Colorado, um, was there for a year and a half, and then came to Purdue. Um, I've been here for a year and three months now, um, but I really love my, the aspect of working with the coaches, working with the student athletes. Um, I really enjoy that interaction right now. It's more of a virtual interaction, but it's still an interaction. Um, so I, I really like what I do. Um, no day is ever the same, especially right now in this whole COVID-19 aspect. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. Um, 
and I, I really like the compliance world. Uh, you touched on the fact, you know, you enjoy your, your interaction with the team. Can you, can you take us a little deeper into what your role with the team is like and, and kind of in a, both, both from a big picture and from a day-to-day -day aspect? Yeah. Yep. So I am the compliance uh, point of contact for the wrestling program team. Um, so that entails educating our student athletes, educating our coaches, kind of being there for our coaches for whatever questions may arise. Um, I like to think among uh, Tony's support staff um, and things, many questions get brought up. So it's nice just to kind of be there, support the staff, um, kind of help them walk through any scenarios that may arise. Um, but on a day to day, it's, it's really just being there for questions um, and yeah, seeing no, no day is ever the same. So it's, you can't really predict what kind of things are going to come up, especially from wrestling. Um, so yeah. Cool. Um, how is working with wrestling different from maybe some of the other sports you work with? Yeah. Besides so wrestling awesome, has besides being awesome, clearly. Right, right, right. Um, so wrestling has a regional training center, which obviously all of you know, uh, which we also call an, an RTC, um, which can within itself present challenges um, by NCAA rules. So that's, which again, no other sport at Purdue has a regional training center. Um, so we like to say it and put it as like, you have a regional training center hat and you have a Purdue wrestling hat. You can't wear the same hat at the same time. Um, so when you are, a Purdue wrestling coach, you have to do Purdue wrestling things. When you have a Boilermaker RTC hat on, you have to do Boilermaker RTC uh, things. And you cannot combine those two. So I would say that's probably the biggest difference in um, re wrestling at our institution within any other sport that we have. I would add to um, Jacqueline um, traveled with us this year. I would just simply like to know what she thought um, since she traveled with us to Vegas. And when we had great performances, so I don't know, we, we might yeah. have one on every trip from here forward. <laughs> um, we had a great uh, team, and then obviously a very strong um, performance again at Big Ten, and uh, was on both of those trips. So, uh, you know, Jacqueline, did you did what did you learn about the sport that you didn't know? Or, I mean, tell me about your experiences there, too, because, you know, uh, I'm just interested, you know, what you think of all of this. Yeah, it was a good luck charm. Yes. Uh, and so, prior – <laughs> I um, had not actually seen a wrestling tournament in person um, before traveling to Vegas. So I was going into it open-minded. I was really excited. Um, but I quickly learned that they are very long days. So I think I got up like 4.30 or 5 a.m. and then probably went to bed around midnight and then re repeated the same thing the next day. Um, it was you wake up, you get there, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, and then you wait a little bit, then hurry up, hurry up, do this, then you wait, and then and it's repetitive. Um, so it, it was just interesting to kind of see that aspect of it, and same with Big Tens. Um, I think one thing that was really cool to see at Big Tens was you always hear how big wrestling is in the Northeast and how many fans people have, um, but actually being there and seeing it live and seeing all fans was really interesting. I think Rutgers had – what, eight or 9,000 seats in their arena. Um, but I feel like they probably could have sold 15 to 20,000 just because how, and I think Corey mentioned it, but how passionate that wrestling fan base is and how many fans that there really are. So I think it was really cool to, to see because I hear about it, but um, it's nice to actually see it and know 
that that is, it's there, that passion is there for the sport. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I, I would say, you know, that's just not a Northeast fan base. You could go to any, any uh, gym in the uh, country, well, Big Ten, and that the crowd is going to be 15 to 20, and they're going to be mm-hmm. that passionate and loyal. And that's part of why we were disappointed with, um, you know, this year, from a wrestling standpoint, going into a, an arena where we would have sold maybe 40, 50,000 tickets yeah. was going to, I thought, do a lot for wrestling. I know the, the fan experience could be a little different with people sitting so far back, but from a numbers standpoint, we thought it would be history this mm-hmm. year as well. So I do hope we go back to something like that, just because from a numbers perspective, it'll sell kind of records. But um, yep. I would know the, the wrestling fan base is alive and well, and uh, I'm glad that, that you can recognize that and you thought that was a, a big part of the experience. Yeah, and also I think one of the biggest things was building the relationships with the student athletes because without traveling, they kind of see me in a compliance role where there is sometimes a stigma to that. So when you're outside of compliance, you're traveling, you're um, doing whatever with the team, uh, you can kind of build those relationships, talk about something else that's not compliance-wise, talk about academics, talk about how their life is going. Um, and they kind of, they see you outside of compliance and know that you're not just this person that's yes, no, yes, no, here's the rule book, um, and that you actually are someone that cares about them. I guess no, this question great. is indirectly for Tony, um, but going along those lines, you know, compliance does have a bit of a stigma to it because it's a lot about the rules and it's a lot about approving or disapproving different decisions and different things for guys. Um, what does Jacqueline bring to the program for you, Tony, from a perspective that people may not think of? Well, I think those, those people are, are key because, you know, we're in a very competitive environment, right? I mean, we all understand especially division one athletics uh, in the big 10 wrestling. It's, it's very, very competitive. So you want to run as far as you can. You want to run up to the line, right? So to speak, right? There's, there's a line and certainly we don't want to cross that line, but you want to run as hard and as far up to that line as you can. And when you have people who, what I call it is uh, you have people that have a cop mentality, you know, it's there's, they're waiting there to slap your hand and say, don't do it. And um, 22 years of coaching, I've experienced compliance people of all sorts. And I, I really appreciate people who um, want to take the time to listen to your problem, not just to say, no, don't do it, but mm-hmm. okay, let's find a way we can maybe make this work within the rules and we won't lose a competitive uh, advantage. So Jacqueline has been every bit of that. She's been a friend of the program and I feel like we can always call her and ask her a question and uh, we're going to not always get the answer we want. But I feel comfortable knowing that if there's a way we can do it, we will certainly find a way. And that's all I can ask for. Um, you know, it's just that, that we find a way to get where we want to be. And if we can't, then, then that's okay. You know, there's always limits. But, but you want people who want to listen and try to understand what you're trying to do. And then how can we get there? And, and Jacqueline has been, uh, been a great uh, asset to the program. I appreciate that. Jacqueline, what... Um... What did you feel like, what, was, what were some of the things that, you know, tra- you know Tony, Tony alluded to traveling with the team. Um, kind of what, uh, what was something you learned about the sport that you didn't really maybe know before? Ooh, that I learned about the sport. I feel like at Vegas, um, I was able to sit right next to you, obviously, in the kind of made-up press box that they had. And I probably got on your nerves, but I was like, I, I know that was a point, and I know that that was a good move, but I don't know – exactly what that was called or what that was um so i think uh being able to just be around you and the team and kind of figuring out 
understanding more of the sport and the technical terms, so to say, um, was something that I was able to learn and was, uh, I, I found really interesting. It was, it was uh, cool for me. I, I do know as well that she was uh, intently studying, uh, I think, betting lines and odds and things like that. <laughs> you came back with an understanding of, of how all that worked as well, correct? I did. I did. I, I so thought so. So two things from that. I, I, first thing, Jacqueline, you did not annoy me at all. I thought it was, um, it was incredibly refreshing to sit there with somebody who had not experienced the sport and had such a, like a, a hungry mind for trying to kind of digest it and, and put some of that stuff together. Um, it was really cool to like, you know, to hear questions because you asked a lot of really good questions and trying to understand, you know, why one thing was scoring and why one thing wasn't. And uh, I probably wasn't the best person to explain some of that stuff to you. Uh, my annoyance mostly lay in like the people who were standing in front of us. That, that yeah. drove me insane. Mm -hmm. um, but then following up on Tony's thing about the betting lines. So while in Vegas, <laughs> this, is a, this is incredible. So uh, went for a walk one night over to, uh, over to the casino with Jacqueline. And uh, we, she wanted to go to the sports book. She'd never seen it before. She'd never really – was that your first trip it to Vegas? It was my Jacqueline? first trip to Vegas. Okay. So we get into this sports book, and we just happened to be in a hotel that had a huge sports book. Yeah. And it was – I can't even explain. It was like a kid in a candy store. Like, she wanted to know – everything like she's picking up every single piece of paper she can find she's reading them all she's looking at all the lines she's asking a million questions it was so funny she's asking this guy about prop bets it was oh my god i was crying i, I heard I about I, prop I, bets I the next that. day i heard i, I heard I, I think i heard all about it that's how i knew she was looking at betting lines and odds and yeah. those things next day i think i heard all about it as we were sitting between sessions yeah was it sue flown that was with us Jack? it was yep it was sue jake and i could not stop laughing because she yeah. like anybody who would answer a question for her jack <laughs> she, she, she was inquisitive forget about a career change go be a professional gambler from uh from a compliance <laughs> officer i love it well it's it, it was interesting with all the gambling how it's now legalized in states just to kind of see what the sports book looks like there. Um, so I was just in their brain on what I was asking at the time what their March Madness sports book would look like. Um, Grant, that's different now, but um, just kind of seeing how all those prop bets work in Vegas, um, since it, gambling is now legal in the state of Indiana, um, still not for institutional staff members, but just kind of seeing what that looks like at a bigger stage since I hadn't honestly seen a sports book before um, or had been to Vegas. <laughs> it's important to know she was still working. I know we're talking about right. game odds, totally. and we were in Vegas, <laughs> but she was still working. And it was educational. <laughs> it was an educational right. trip. Right. Exactly. I need to take uh -oh. one of those educational trips to Vegas, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jacqueline, going on to Big Tens, um, you, were, uh, you were an incredible utility player for us when it came to, to traveling and, and because, you know, obviously being there for compliance and the ability to answer questions for us in different situations is incredibly helpful. Um, but I thought it was awesome. You were, you were willing to help with anything and everything we asked you to do. And I think uh, uh, the most off the wall thing was, was having to take Nate Lemix to the hospital after he got hurt in his first match. Um, mm -hmm. Can you take us through that whole experience and, and what happened there? 
Yeah. Um, I, I probably won't get too deep just for the rules, but um, we were sitting there and obviously he went down on the match or on the mat and I was in the bleachers right up above that mat. And so I was like, Oh, that doesn't look good. Um, and so I, I think uh, he was escorted off the mat and about 10 minutes later, you called me for the van keys. And I was just thinking, you know, like surely that there's something I can do to help here. Cause you know, I, if, if there's anything um, I'm here, so let me know. Um, and so I think it was nice because Ryan Shane was going to go, but you never know when he may be needed too. So it was nice just to be like an extra person there to support um, the team um, and Nate. And so um, I offered, I said, Hey, let, let me know if you want me to take him. I'm, I'm more than welcome. Um, and so we went to the hospital and um, it was interesting, but again, it was nice to talk to Nate um, and kind of build a relationship with him because I'm not sure if we honestly had ever had a conversation outside of compliance educational meetings. So I think he had just bought a house up in uh, Michigan. And so we were talking, it was good to, to get to know him and um, more about his life and where he's at and things. So it was good. Yeah, Nate is a man of few words. So uh, yeah, many conversations with him doesn't surprise me, but uh but witty, sharp kid. So uh, fun yeah. for my money. Fun to hang out with in those times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, couldn't agree more. Nate, Nate's something else. Yeah, and yeah. he he was a good spirit in in the times, and I'm sure he was in pain, but he was he was in good spirit the whole time. Jacqueline, do you have any other questions for us as far as you know wrestling, as far as the podcast goes, as far as this unbelievably weird situation we all find ourselves in? Goodness. I don't think so. How are, how are you all doing working from home? Is it, are you coping? Is it, are you getting used to it yet? I feel like this may be extended a few more weeks. So oh. I guess just how fun doing. I think that's one of my biggest things that typically I, I stop by people's offices just to check in to see, you know, how are you doing today? How's things going? And so I've been trying to call people or text and say, Hey, how are you doing? Um, so how are you doing? Hers, I'm most worried about I'm most worried about you. You go. You're worried about me? <laughs> I'm always worried about you. Holy buckets. Well, I mean, <laughs> this my, my sanity comes and goes, but uh no. Um it's, it's, it's fine. You know, I, I, I really, you know, obviously you, you know, you, you got heartbreak for the guys, but um spending time with my family is has been awesome. It's, it's great. And so I'm just praying that 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 better weather. Uh, comes yeah. so that we can be outside at least in our front yard a little bit more maybe throwing mm -hmm. water. but um no I mean it's nice to spend time with the family and uh, as you know we are doing our exit interviews or end of the year meetings right now so we're on this uh you know um, video chat a lot with our guys as well I had a great conversation this morning with Thomas Panola and I'm hearing about what he's doing and and what his goals for next year are so I'm getting excited already you know I'm, I'm enjoying my family but I really Enjoying connecting with the guys in this way because it's the only way we can for the moment, and uh, you know that's that's good. So I'm getting excited for them and hearing them talk about you know what their aspirations are for next year. So uh, you know for the moment I'm in a good place. Uh, I hope that we uh, you know by by April or the end of April that we're we're off this uh, you know quarantine and on to other things. Hers, uh speaking of Panola, watching him, you know I made that when we got on the call this morning, I made the comment that. 
he had gone uh, full metal jacket with the haircut. And it was, uh, it was sad to know that almost nobody on the call other than Vega knew what full metal jacket was. Yeah, that's you know, sad. That, that, we got a young group, man. <clears throat> that was a tough one. Jacqueline, do you know what full metal jacket is? I do not, unfortunately. No. Well, Let's it's, a, it's a film. It's a military <laughs> film. Movie. Well, Corey, I think uh, I think that just about does it for this week's episode. Um, well, did we? I know I know one area Jacqueline kind of deals with a little bit is schedule approval. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and I know I know there was some news in the scheduling realm in the last couple of days. I don't know if we wanted to get into that a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, I'll I'll preface it by saying tentative, right? We we haven't received final approval on this, but it out there it's been all over social media um, we agreed coach dresser at Iowa State and I did agree to a duel in Humboldt Iowa we're both from, from Humboldt uh, obviously a number of years apart but both from from Humboldt and so we agreed on December 20th to uh, to wrestle in Humboldt's gym uh, on a neutral site so um, we've had a lot of people asking for it and obviously <clears throat> both teams are, are in a good place right now should be a lot of highly ranked uh, matchups and uh, tickets will be at a premium. So it should be a great event. We're going to, once we get everything worked out, um, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly promote it and keep everybody in the loop. But it should be a great event. I know uh, a lot of people in Humboldt and around Iowa uh, are looking forward to it. I think, uh, Tony, you can, you can back me up here, but I think we've been a little overwhelmed uh, by the, uh, the excitement in Iowa on, uh, on, for, for the scheduling of this, this duel. And uh, I found myself, I had to send an email. We got some media requests already about the duel. I had to check in with Jacqueline, and I had to check in with our sport administrator, Calvin Williams, and be like, hey, guys, uh, they, want to, they want to talk to Tony about this. Des Moines Register wants to do an article. Um, and so we had, to, we had to make sure we were, we were staying within the rules to talk about, a, talk about a potential duel that hasn't been administratively approved yet. Yeah, it's, it's garnered a lot of attention, which is great. I mean, this is part of – you know, the way I look at it is you want to build and grow wrestling, right? We certainly want to do that right here uh, in Indiana, but to build and grow it and promote it anywhere is, is a great thing, and this is a unique opportunity. Um, the thing I'm looking at now is how, how many Purdue people can we get in uh, that, that gym? So I've got, that's the next thing that we've got to work on is getting a lot of uh, Purdue people uh, in that gym as well because obviously being a neutral site, we, we don't want it to just be uh, the Iowa State. Yeah, it's going to be a neutral site, you know. Yeah, I was just saying, we're right. not, how far from Iowa State is Humboldt? About an hour and a half. Okay. So reasonably close. Yep, yep. But, uh, but that's all right. You know, we listen, I love great environments. You know, we, we talk a lot. You know, good teams find ways to win in tough environments. Uh, I don't know that it'll be that tough, you know, from that standpoint because I grew up there and there'll be a lot of love, you know, um, for both teams in the building but it should be a tremendous environment that you want your, your guys exposed to. It can only help us. Any other, uh, any other potential things that you're looking at putting on the schedule next year, Tony, tentatively? Uh, tentatively, you know, we always like, you know, right now we like um, Vegas, you know, Cliff Keen. We like Midlands. Those, those are good tournaments that I think absolutely prepare our guys for, uh, for the end of the year. Um, we're, we're wanting to do, again, our, um, our quad at home. That's tentatively scheduled for third week in November. We've got a couple teams committed. Um, still looking for maybe another team, but um, it's a lot of the similar things that we like to do. 
you know, there'll be our Big Ten schedule, which won't come out until much later. They've got TV considerations and things like that to work out. But um, no, it's, it's going to be an ongoing thing from this spring into, uh, into the fall once we get the finalized version from the Big Ten. Jacqueline, you coming back to Vegas with us? Sure. <laughs> Damn. Tony, I know you've tried some stuff over the years, like South Beach Duels a couple a couple years ago, to try and sort of change up the flow of the season and, and the guys' preparation. It, the fact that you're doing a lot of similar stuff from last year, have you hit on a formula that, that you're satisfied with, it, it seems like? You know, uh, I'm comfortable. Let's just say that. I'm comfortable. You know, every year – your team's different, right? You got to evaluate your team, what they're ready for, how you want to bring them along, right? How you want to grow them, how you want to develop them. And so um, I'm comfortable with, with what we're doing and what we've been doing. Certainly there's always tweaks. You know, uh, I talked, I think on this podcast earlier about, you know, this year we took an extra week off. Um, you know, we had two weekends with no competition prior to going into big tens. Now, certainly we competed well at big tens. Was that part of it? Did that favor us, you know, in peaking? Um, you know, I'm asking that question a lot right now in our individual meetings with guys. You know, how did they feel about how we peaked? Did they like that extra weekend off or did they not? You know, so it's just about, uh, you know, understanding what your group needs and trying to provide that form, right? It's just like your culture. You got to find out what they need and then you got you to try to create that for them so they can perform their best. And, and it's, so it's, um, I'm comfortable with it, but, but we'll always be tweaking. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Jacqueline, um, how does compliance work into scheduling? What is it that, you know, what is it that you guys, when, when, when we submit our schedule to you, what is it that you guys look at? What are the, what are the things, the boxes that we need to check to make sure that everything goes, goes through as planned? Yep. yep. So compliance wise, wrestling has 16 dates of competition. I believe three of those dates can be two, can be two or multiple day meets. Um, so that's one thing whenever I get your schedule, I look at to make sure that you are either at 16 or under, um, just to make sure that we don't go over. Big 10s and NCAAs are exempt. Um, so that's one thing that I do look at from an institutional approval process. Um, we have to get facilities to sign off on it. Um, we have to get uh, Dr. Ed Howitt to sign off, uh, off on it from an academic standpoint. You have to get Calvin um, your sport administrator, and then we have to get uh, the chair of the AAC, and that's really for our missed class time, making sure that we don't go over what is allotted for wrestling. We, uh, I thought we did a pretty good job, Tony, this year of uh, not missing class time with the guys. I think part of that was we got a pretty generous Big Ten schedule as far as travel went on the road and and where we went and being able to keep the guys in the classroom. But um, I thought we did a I thought we did a great job of keeping the kids mm -hmm. in class this year. Yeah, I mean, that's always a, a huge priority for us, right? I mean, uh, you know, school, school's 1A. You know, I always say school's 1A and wrestling's 1B. You know, they're that closely linked. And they be, if you want to, if you want, listen, to win national titles or win Big Ten titles, you might have to be a world, beat a world champ, right? I mean, Spencer Lee is a world champ. That's, that's definitely the job. He's got to figure out how to beat a guy like Spencer Lee or, you know, um, Dylan Lighty beat Mark Hall. There's another guy who's won world medals. So, you know, you know, it's, it requires a lot of commitment. And so, you know, it's, it's that big of, you know, 1A, 1B to me. Now, school's always 1A. I always recognize that for sure. But wrestling's 1B. And so it, we got to make those two work. I would say, too, that, um, you know, 
the only thing I had with this year's schedule that I would talk about is, and you guys all would remember this, I think, that brutal week where we were gone, three meets in, in, in one week, that we were at IU on a Monday night, mm-hmm. we're on the road to Maryland and Rutgers, same week. Now, it ended up being a great week, mm-hmm. but wrestling um, away three duels in a row was was something that I'm going to ask the Big Ten if we can can avoid in the future. But uh, but you're not wrong in terms of a majority of our schedule worked out pretty well. We had time to train and be in class and peak and and do all of those things where you know I thought it worked out pretty well. Yeah, that uh that week was incredibly challenging. That three road duels in six days. Um, guys were living out of their suitcases for for that week. And that Maryland Rutgers trip is is tough. It's daunting. Yeah. The, there's no easy yeah. way. There's no easy way to get from one to the other. You know, we <clears throat> we flew into Baltimore, um, and then came down to College Park and stayed there for two nights and wrestled. Um, and then we loaded the vans up and we we drove up we drove up 95 to to Piscataway. It was about a what was it about a three hour drive, Tony? Yep, yep. Uh, I'll tell you the thing I remember about that trip too um, is that we got uh, kicked out of the hotel based on a fire alarm. And while we were outside uh, from the fire alarm, there was some some kid in front of the fire truck doing a TikTok video, uh, dressed in in some kind of a onesie. I don't, it was a unicorn. It was a unicorn it was a, onesie. <laughs> so we got a kid in a unicorn onesie doing TikTok videos in front of the fire truck while we're like, hey, can we just go back in and lay down? It, it was we're in between workouts and and stuff. Are you, so are you uh, sure it was yeah. a shop? Well, we actually thought it was travel. <laughs> he didn't have a beard. Okay. So, you know, but I, I mean, that was the thing on that road trip. It was, um, it, it was interesting. Um, I will say this, and, and Lydie said this a lot, um, group was really fun to travel with. Uh, you know, this is what you want from your team. Uh, they were ready to go when it was time to put your foot on the line. They, they were about the business and, and the job at hand. But, uh, but we, we had a pretty good time on the road, and you certainly want that to continue. Continue. It was a great group that way, um, you know, and that's just one little instance where we're all like, wow, yeah, here we are. <laughs> TikTok video in a unicorn suit. Good as it gets. That See happened. <laughs> that happened. I was there. So, well, Corey, I think that does it for this week. Good call on bringing the schedule into the episode. That was, uh, I think, I think that definitely shed some light on the process and, and what we're looking at for, for 2020 and 21. Um, Definitely. And, and I want to say we're going to do all we can for Purdue fans and wrestling fans who can't make it to Humboldt in late December uh, uh, to get that thing on the Big Ten Network in some facet, whether it be live in the network or uh, on BTN Plus. Absolutely. We'll push. Yep. Hey, one thing I would like to say just to wrap this up uh, on behalf of compliance, because I know it didn't go our way, but I, I, I will say that uh, I know Jacqueline and Tom Mitchell you know, fought for our kids and they always fight for our kids. So um, thank you very much. I know, you know, no one is happy about the way this shook out for, for wrestlers, but, but I do know that Tom and Jacqueline fought for our kids and, and understand what this means to us. So uh, while it didn't go our way, we, we are appreciative of, of Jacqueline and Tom's efforts on behalf of, of the guys. 100%. Definitely. And, and I think you can see uh, the positivity going throughout the program in, in Parker Phileas's reaction uh, via Twitter, which, uh, which you, you can see I've thrown up on the screen right there. Uh, he recognizes it's not perfect, but this is kind of where, you know, 
if you put your money where your mouth is, as far as the journey of sport matters more than the destination. And uh, I know that's something that, that gets preached at these guys at every level. And, and some of them are getting a chance to, well, we're all getting a chance to, to live that right now. And, and that's really the positivity, you know, uh, around the program. So, so good job uh, on all accounts. And, yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I know we're running long. Tanner probably like, they shut, shut you guys up. All good. No, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I will say this. I had, uh, I had really a, uh, a, a proud papa moment, if you will, with these guys here the last couple of days, seeing those comments because, you know, I had two seniors uh, in particular, um, you know, and Lighty and Bruner who had their hearts ripped out again. You know, they were waiting hopeful and had their hearts ripped out, and they were obviously – and, you know, struggling emotionally. But then if you read their comments, like Parker's the last couple of days, you know, you can tell those kids, uh, you know, their character's intact. And when you have tough moments like this, to see kids react in this way, knowing they're hurting as bad as they are, but still being grateful for the opportunities and, and seeing some big picture, I think really speaks to their, their character. And so just been really proud of, of this group. Uh, the last couple of days, seeing some things on, on social media and their response, because certainly that you could take it to a very dark place. And while I know they are hurting all these guys, they're competitors and they want to be on the map proving it. But, um, but I think they just, they showed a lot of character and just really proud of them. Uh, I guess seeing, seeing how they've responded the last couple of days. Yeah. I cringed a few times. There's some stuff out there for some people and, you know, the, the media perspective of my job, uh, you know, kids saying some wild stuff and, I told Dylan Lighty specifically, they make my job so easy from that perspective. And there's so much trust and, and their maturity and the way that they handle those things and, and don't, uh, don't lash out in emotional moments. It's, it's been awesome. Nothing short of amazing. Yeah. Good kids. They're all, all love, love the group. It speaks so well of the entire program. Really, this time, we're actually going to leave it there. Uh, Jacqueline, thank you for joining us. Great conversation, very enlightening, and, and, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for uh, having me. Tanner, Tony, I'm Corey. We'll see you next week on the Always Aggressive Podcast.